Hello and welcome to the Surefooted Podcast. My name is Kenny. I'm your host. I would like to thank you for joining me today. Today I have some terrible news. Probably the worst news that I could ever think to have to tell anybody about. But I think it's really necessary that I do tell you about it. But on the bright side, to follow up the really terrible news, I do have some really awesome news as well. And the awesome news is the best news you could ever hear. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. Uh, The bad news is, guys, uh, that humanity is sinful by nature. Uh, We're born sinful. Ever since the the beginning in the Garden of Eden, when uh, Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they introduced sin into human nature. They rebelled against God, uh, did something that God implicitly told them not to. And from that point forward, every person who was born thereafter has been born into sin. We start out that way. Even from birth, if, if you look at Psalms uh, or Psalm 51.5, King David said, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In, in that passage of scripture, he's, he's acknowledging the fact that he knows that from birth, that he was sinful. He, he wasn't born righteous. He wasn't born in a good state. He was born in a sinful state. If you look in Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and you were dead in, your, in the trespass and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, if we were by nature children of wrath, which that's to say that, that by nature we were the object of God's wrath, then, then we would have had to have been born in a sinful state because God's wrath wouldn't be uh, directed towards something that was righteous. His wrath would only be directed towards something that was unrighteous, and, and that was humanity. Humanity is unrighteous just by nature going even further into it you know scripture speaks of our unrighteousness from birth through infancy and there's really nothing we can do about it on our own looking in proverbs 22:15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of discipline drives it from him i've got children i've got two children right now i've got a third on the way and a lot of times um, especially in their younger years, my children really try to push the boundaries and test and see what they can get away with. They they do have a rebellious attitude. They test their boundaries. They see what they can get away with. They see they see how far they can take things, and and I believe that you know that we are born with a, a leaning toward rebellion. It's not something you know. I don't think we're born good and we learn rebellion. I think we're born into a state of rebellion, and we have to we have to learn to curb that rebellion. And that's just based off you know me dealing with my own children. If you look in Genesis eight twenty one, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, "I will never again curse the ground because of man." For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever strike down every living creature as I've done. And once again, that's, that's God. You know, he's basically telling us that, you know, we, we are sinful by nature, even from our youth. You know, we have a ton of evidence that supports this. It's not something that I'm speculating on. It's, it's you know, it's what the Bible tells us about the nature of man from the beginning. And it's not something that's just specifically related to some people. It's not something that, that some people 
are born and they escape is something that's inherent to humanity as a whole, I believe. Every single one of us, not, not one, gets, gets to get a free pass on this. Looking again in Psalm uh, chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together, they have become corrupt. And once again, that, that speaks to, to humanity as a whole. There was none who was seeking after God. As a whole, the whole of humanity was corrupt in that, in that instance. Looking at Job uh, 15, verses 14 and 16, and this is uh, part of Eliphaz's speech to Job, asking how Job can keep asserting his innocence when men in general are not righteous. And it's Job uh, 15, 14 through 16, he says, What is man that he can be pure? Or he who is born of a woman that he can be righteous? Behold, God puts no trust in his holy ones, and the heavens are not pure in his sight. How much less one who is abominable and corrupt? A man who drinks injustice like water. And that's Eliphaz telling Job, just look around us. We can see that all of humanity is sinful by nature. You know, we can see that people in general don't seek after God. And we can't help it. We can't help it since the fall of man. And when I say the fall, that's that's what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and the apple. Uh, since the fall, people, we have a sinful heart. When they let sin into the garden... It affected every person thereafter all the way down the line. And we can't help it. And recently, I've, I've heard a lot of, of uh, people say, oh, if you just follow your heart, you know, if you follow your heart, you're going to be on the right track. You know, if you, if you just follow your heart and do what your heart says is right, then how can that be wrong? Well, if you look in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And looking in Ecclesiastes, Chapter 9, verse 3, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to all. Also, the hearts of the children of men are full of evil and madness, and in their hearts while they live, and after that they go to the dead. So, no, don't follow your heart. <laughs> the heart is deceitful above all things. If you're just following your heart, and you think that's enough to do good and follow your heart, and you think that's going to get you into heaven, it's not. If you're just following your heart, you're lying to yourself, and... And more than likely, you're, you're going to be lying to a lot of other people as well. If, if that's the gospel that you're preaching, the gospel of following your heart, that, that's, not, that's not the way that, that it works, unfortunately. And, and we, once again, you know, it's not me saying this. We have biblical evidence that tells us that the heart is deceitful. So no, don't, don't follow your heart. You know, follow Jesus. That's, that's where you can, you can get, get it right. You know, don't follow the heart. And it sounds like really good advice, you know, when we hear when we hear these really motivational speeches about it. It's really easy to get caught up in the trap of, you know, yeah, following your heart, that's the best thing to do. It's gonna get you on the right track. And you hear all these stories and it, it kinda plays to our emotions and really when it all boils down to it, you know, it shouldn't be playing to our emotions, it should be playing to our sense of right and wrong, I guess, would be a, a good way to put it. If my heart is deceitful and 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 I don't know it I would definitely want somebody to tell me and to show me the evidence for that and to show me that you know there is a better way there's a better way to do things there's a, a way that you can can operate that it it doesn't have to you know lead, lead you down the wrong path you know having said all this and I know this this sounds like a doom and gloom message I, I know it really does but having said all this there's nothing that we can do as people change what we are and I know a lot of people are going to say oh that's that's crazy we can I can change how I act I can change um what I do the things I say and, and you can try to you really can you can you can try to be a 
a morally good person. You can try to um, you can try to do the right things at the right times, but we're st- we still have a bent toward rebellion. You know, until the heart changes, who we are is going to remain the same, regardless of how we act. If that makes sense. And there's there's absolutely nothing we can do to to save ourselves from this. There's nothing we can do to earn salvation for ourselves from this. No amount of good works will do the trick. No amount of going out and feeding the homeless or building houses for the homeless or giving money to the poor. No amount of anything we do can save ourselves from this natural bent toward rebellion against God that we have in our hearts. If you look in Isaiah 64, 6, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like, pollu- are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Basically, in Isaiah 64, 6, he's saying that there is nothing that we can do, period, to be good enough. Every righteous deed that I've ever done in my whole entire life, in the context of just doing it, just to be morally good, and just to be morally correct, is like a polluted rag, or basically like a, like a dirty rag. My righteousness, in relation to God's righteousness, is like a dirty rag. There's nothing that I could ever do to make myself righteous in the eyes of God. Absolutely nothing. Now, having said all this, if anybody is still listening at this point, I do have some some really good news. I do have just some really literally outstanding news. God understands that we have rebellious hearts and that we are rebellious by nature against him. He understands, and if you look in the Bible, going all the way back to Genesis, basically about Genesis chapter 12, I believe, that's when he starts his plan for the redemption of man. And it goes all the way through the Old Testament. It goes, starting in the Old Testament, going toward the New Testament, we can see how God establishes his nation, it's Israel. He, he leads them out of bondage in Egypt. He establishes a law, and that's the Old Covenant. He establishes that to try to give uh, people a way to accept him and to live under his statutes and to, to really, you know, kind of start to, to make themselves acceptable to God. You know, they, they have the law, they have sacrifices, and all of that, you know, the law and the sacrifice, that's, that's really a precursor um, that's kind of preparing the people for, for when the Messiah comes, when Jesus gets here. And through the entirety of the Old Testament, it's really a cycle of the Israelites rebel against God, God brings correction, and then God brings unity to the people. And you can see that through through a lot of different scenarios. And through the whole time, you know, the people have all these, well, the, the Israelite people have all these excellent opportunities to live under the will of God, but they, they constantly rebel against it. They constantly do. The sacrifices that they make for the sin in their lives, the sin offerings, none of that is good enough to actually cover the sin that, that they continually do. They have all these chances leading up to the time that the Messiah gets here, which is when the New Testament starts. And if you look at all of that, you know, the whole entirety of the Old Testament leading up to that is just a precursor to Jesus getting here. And when, when Jesus gets here, they've had, you know, thousands of years to, to prepare by seeing how the, uh, you know, how the mechanism that God puts in place for salvation is supposed to work. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the good news. All right, so we've we've gone through the entirety of the Old Testament leading up to the time when Jesus is supposed to get here. We've seen how how God provided a mechanism for sacrifice to to cover sin, and then Jesus gets on the scene. The only reason that Jesus came down to earth as fully God and fully man was to 
be a sacrifice for our sin, to atone for the sin of humanity so that we can have an opportunity to experience salvation and eternal life with God. That's the reason he came. If you look at uh, John 3.16, uh, well, 3.16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, we hear John 3.16 a lot, but a lot of people don't expound on it and go into verse 17. If you go into verse 17, it makes, you know, verse 16 all the better. You know, it gives context as to why he came into the world. He didn't come here to condemn us. He he didn't come to, um, <laughs> he didn't come to, to draw attention to the, the sinful nature of man. He came to he came to correct the sinful nature of man. And there's there's no other way we can receive salvation other than through Jesus. If you look at John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again, in Acts uh, chapter 4, 11 through 12, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that that was Peter actually talking to the Sanhedrin, I believe, in that, that situation. You know, there it is. There it is laid out in, in the plainest, simplest, simplest way that I can lay it out for you. Jesus came to save us. You know, that's the best news that you could have ever heard in your whole entire life. To know that we are sinful by nature. There's nothing that we can do to, to provide atonement for our own sin. Knowing that, that there is nothing that we could uh, accomplish here on earth that would earn it for us. And knowing that Jesus came to give it as a free gift. I mean, that is the best news ever. And when we accept that sacrifice that Jesus made for us, there's some, there's some changes that happen. You know, earlier I was talking about how don't trust the heart is, to, is deceitful, and a lot of people say, oh, well, I can follow my heart, and I can, I can do what my heart tells me to do, and I'll be all right. Well, when, when after salvation, you know, there's a, there's a changing of the heart. Jesus changes us from who we were into, um, into who we are through salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's a, it's a change. It's a change that happens fundamentally inside of you when you receive that salvation. No longer are we a slave to our sin. No longer are we a slave to the things that aren't pleasing to God. An example of that is, um, and it's, it's, kind of, it's a small example, I know, but it's an example nonetheless. I used to be a smoker. I used to smoke a lot. I used to smoke heavily, <laughs> two packs a day probably. And, you know, when, when I got saved, I, you know, I laid the cigarettes down. And it's something that I tried to do numerous times. I tried to do it a lot of times, but for whatever reason, I couldn't. And then, you know, I got saved and I put the cigarettes down. It brought about a change in my in my spirit about them. And, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that through Christ, I was able to put that down and, you know, be healthier for it. Sure. But at the same time, you know, it, it made me a new creature in Christ. I didn't want to do the same old things that I'd done. I didn't want to be a slave to that addiction that I had fostered for so long to cigarettes. You know, it, it, it brought about a change in me. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And, and that's Paul talking about how whenever you do receive Christ as your savior, it's your savior, excuse me, that there is a, there is a change that has started in you. And, and it's a continual changing process that, that goes on until the day that either a, we die and we, we go to heaven 
or B, the day that Christ returns and, and completes that work in us. It's something that'll that'll be continually happening. And and we can we can be confident in that. We can take solace in the fact that God started this work in us and, and he is going to be continually changing us more toward him the further it goes on. That's something that we can we can all take great great confidence in. Who did Jesus come to save? A lot of people may not know this, but he came to save everybody. Um, Me, you, literally everybody. He came to save Jews and Gentiles alike. Uh, There's no one who is... There's no one who is unworthy to receive Jesus' salvation if they would just receive it. Um, He came for everybody. He, He didn't discriminate when he came to save people. He came to save the entirety of humanity. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I mean, it doesn't get any more cut and dry than that. Anybody who is lost, anybody who doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, um, is who Jesus came to save. So literally anybody. And that's, that's an, it's an incredibly humbling thing to know that Jesus came to save me. You know? To know that when he was on the cross, he was doing it specifically for me. If you look in John uh, chapter 12, verses 40, 44 through 47, And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sent me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So there you have it. You you um, You have the good news and the bad news. The bad news is terrible. It really is. There's, there's not really a way to get around the bad news. It's something that is something that's written on our hearts from birth. But the good news is that, that we have a better option. And I know you're, you're thinking right now, well, what happens if I, what happens if I don't accept the, the good news that you're telling me? What happens if I don't believe Jesus came to save my sins and I never, uh, I never accept salvation and I want to keep living the, the way that I'm living right now? Well, yeah, that's probably a, a message for another podcast, but I will say this. I don't believe that a loving God would force anyone into eternal accompaniment with him if they did not want to be in eternal accompaniment with him. Which basically means if you don't want to be with God now while you're here on earth and you don't accept the, uh, the salvation that he, that he uh, sent Jesus down here to provide, then why would he force you to be with him for eternity in heaven? God loves us. He doesn't want to force us into anything. He gave us free will for a purpose. So that's that's really what I'm going to say about that. You know, if if you don't accept the salvation that God uh, gave a mechanism to provide through Jesus, then I seriously doubt that God would force you to spend eternity with him in heaven. Um, I think he would provide another place that was separate from him for eternity. You know, and just looking at scripture, we have a lot of scriptural factual basis for that as well now we've talked about the sinful nature of man Uh, we've talked about god's mechanism that he put into place for salvation through jesus christ now you know i'm i'm really hoping this reaches some people who may not um who may not know all of this information that i'm telling them and in in this situation or in this instance uh right right now i want to tell you you know how how anybody can receive the gift of salvation number one and it, it's super simple i don't want anybody to think it's it's really complicated i don't want you to think that there's a whole lot of uh ritual or anything involved in it it's just super simple um number one we just have to admit that we are sinners by nature and by choice you know we have to come to that that uh realization with ourselves 
that we are sinful by nature. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all of us, every single one of us. Um, Number two, we have to understand that we receive eternal life as a free gift. Uh, There's nothing we can do to earn it. There's no amount of good works we can do to put us in a, a position where we deserve eternal life. It's just not possible. If you look in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Number three, we have to see that God demonstrated his love for us even while we were living in sin. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have to see that God loved us so much that he did send down his son to die a horrible, brutal, painful death on a cross so that we could be saved from our sinful nature. Number four, we have to trust and surrender to Jesus as Lord. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So we have to trust that Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what it is said that he did. We have to believe that that Jesus came to save us. We have to believe that he died on the cross for our sins. We have to believe that he rose on the third day. And then we have to surrender to Jesus when we believe all that. We have to surrender to him as, as the most important force in our lives. And if we do all that, we do. We have assurance from scripture that we are saved. We have assurance of our salvation. It's Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, not 50% of the people who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not anyone who calls on the name of the Lord every other Friday and on the third Sunday of every month will be saved. Everyone at any time who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is a powerful, powerful thing to understand that there is a better way. There's a better way than the way that, that humanity has been doing it for, for so many years. This is a message that, that actually was a little while in the making. I had recorded this episode. Uh, well, not this particular episode. Um, I had recorded another episode that I was going to release in place of this one. And it was about, uh, I think it was, if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a few weeks since I've tried to record this one. Um, if I remember correctly, it was about um, things we could learn from Peter walking on water with Jesus. And I put a, a fair amount of effort into that. I put a fair amount of preparation into that podcast. And I sat down and I recorded it. And I recorded it twice. And it just wasn't working. It wasn't working. The content was good. It was great. I learned a lot when I was researching it. But in all honesty, the the more that I got into it, the more that I felt to my spirit that that wasn't what I was supposed to talk about on this episode. Uh, so I scrapped it. I deleted all my recordings on it and I went into preparation mode and got really prayerful. And I, I asked the Lord, you know, what exactly do you want? me to talk about in this episode if not that and this is what he laid on my heart the 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 gospel of jesus christ is something that you know we've all heard if we go to church we've all heard it um even if you don't go to church i'm i'm hoping that you've heard it in some form or fashion from from somewhere this is what he put on my heart to to talk about and um and i felt it so strongly that that i did have to stop uh, the preparation for the other episodes and dive headfirst into this um, so that I could get it out there. And I'm glad that I did. I think the gospel is, is the most important thing as Christians that we can be made aware of. And I think a lot of times we we take it for granted. You know, the, the true gospel, 
I think a lot of times we just, you know, we've accepted Christ into our heart and we're, we're living our Christian lives and, you know, we just kind of put exactly the gravity of that at the back of our minds. And it's something that I think should be at the forefront of our minds all the time. It's the greatest news on the face of the planet. It's, it's something that we should be telling people about on a daily basis. If we say that we're Christians and we say that, and we want to be in the, um, in the will of what God wants us to do, then then we should be telling everybody about this. We shouldn't want anybody to perish in sin. We should want the entire world to know the good news about what Jesus did. Well, guys, I'm going to wrap this one up. I thank you for taking the time with me today to learn about this. A couple of housekeeping things right here at the end. If you do want to reach out to us, you can do that on Facebook, on our Facebook page at the Surefooted Podcast. You can search for that. Be sure to give it a like. Um, Also, if you're listening to this on iTunes, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Um, The more you do that, the more uh, chance that we have that people will be able to find us when they're looking for new podcasts to listen to on iTunes. If you're listening to this on any other podcasting aggregator app, go ahead and leave a like and review on there as well. You can visit us on the website at www.surefootedpodcast.com. Also, we have uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and I think that's about it. Well, guys, thanks for joining me. Uh, Once again, if you have any questions about this episode, feel free to reach out to me. I don't have all the answers, but I would be more than willing to help you sit down and and we can get in the word and we can find them together. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this news today. I'll catch you next episode. Thank you. You guys have a great day.